0: So at this time, the children are dismissed for Children's Church. Once again, we are flip-flopping our order uh, this morning. We were going to call this a flip-flop service, but we were afraid of how y'all might show up dressed uh, in your beach gear and flip-flops. So uh, we are just saying we're flip-flopping the order of service because we're talking about a very important subject in our lives, and that is the subject of worship. And so our mindset has been... Uh, to just start off with maybe one song of worship and then preach about worship and then give you an opportunity uh, to worship after we share with you uh, the word of, uh, about worship. And, and so that's what we want to do today. And I want to start off by asking you a question. Why are you here? Why did you come here today? Uh, I'm sure if I gave each of you the opportunity to share with me why each of you are here, all sorts of different answers. Some some of you would probably say, Well, duh, it's Sunday. It's what we do on on, on Sunday. Uh, some people say, Hey, I come for the fellowship. I come to see all of my friends. Maybe some of you are saying, I always feel better when I come to church. How many of you kind of like that? You go to church and you just feel better because you've been to church, and when you're not here, something is missing. Maybe some of you are like I was when I was a kid and you came to church today because you have a drug problem. Your mom drugged you to church this morning. And that's the way, I, when I was a kid, it was every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, certainly had a, a uh, you know, a drug problem. Maybe some of you are dealing with some things in your life right now, and you just need that strength of fellowship from other believers, and you just need to, to hear God's word proclaimed. You just want to be in the presence of God and other people. Now, all of those reasons that I've mentioned, they're valid reasons. None of them are necessarily bad in in and of themselves. They just don't get to the heart of the matter of what worship is all about. They're not necessarily the primary reasons why we gather in the house of God to sing praises to him and to fellowship. So that's what I want to share with you today. Um, what, what is the heart of, of the matter? Spencer, I think, did an excellent job last week uh, sharing with us the opening message of, of the heart of worship. Uh, music is great, but Jesus is, is greater. Um, and, and today, I just want to try to answer this question, why do we come to church, and how can we create an atmosphere for worship. And I want to do that by looking at the 95th chapter of the book of Psalms, beginning in verse 1, going through to verse 7. Here's what the psalmist says. He says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So I'm not real sure why you came today. I'm glad that you're here. I'm not sure what your motivation was, and I don't really need to know. But keep in mind, God does know your heart. He does know what's going on in your minds. And our number one reason for coming to church should be simply to worship God. Our number one reason for being in this place today is the fact that we see the evidence of god's goodness all around us we just sang that a moment ago i see the evidence do you and do you appreciate that and is that why you're here today and i know that this might sound very elementary for us uh, especially those who have been attending church for for a long long time but i think sometimes we as believers get a little off track as to what church is all about you know Um, We come sometimes, I think, and, and I've been guilty of this and maybe some of you have been as well. We come sometimes for what we can get out of it. We, we show up hoping that, that maybe just something happens in the service uh, and, and we can walk away from the service when everything is said and done, just feeling maybe a little bit better or maybe having gotten something out of it, maybe having learned something or maybe just appreciating the music and the fellowship, something that we have gotten out of it, rather than focusing on what we can give God right worship is so much more than just singing songs as spencer pointed out last week music is great but jesus is so much greater it's more than just singing some simple songs and performing some rituals and enduring a sermon and then going home right we we gather to experience the presence of God, to acknowledge His authority in our lives, to thank Him for His creation and what He's done in our lives for saving our souls from hell, to request His help in our troubles, to worship Him as our Creator. I don't know about you, but I hope you look forward to Sundays. I I know I do. I miss it when I'm not able to be here on Sunday. I I miss it. I look forward to it. I hope you do as well. But I think there are so many misconceptions about worship that I think we need to um, understand Uh, And we need to clear up so that when Sunday rolls around, it's not something that we just kind of think, is this something I'm going to do this week or not? It is a natural reaction of our thankfulness to God for what he's done for us. And I think the first thing that we need to know, the first thing that we need to understand is what worship is. Uh, Years ago, Rick Warren uh, wrote the the famous book, The Purpose Driven Life. A lot of us have read that book, and 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 one thing that he said, the first line in the book, I think, is is tremendous. It's it's not about you. That's the very first line in the book, right? It's like, okay, that's one way to wake you up, right? Smack you right in the face. It's not about you. But then he says, worship is the dramatic celebration of God in His supreme worth in such a manner that His worthiness becomes the norm. And our inspiration for human living. All right? Webster defines worship as attributing worth and communication. The Hebrew word usually means to bow down. The Greek word means to kiss toward. It's, it's kind of like a dog uh, licking a master's hand. Now, you wouldn't think that... Um, you would attribute a dog licking his master's hand as, as something that would be on the same level as worshiping God, right? But you think about just how much, you know, a, a dog is what? Man's best friend, right? If you don't, you know, if you don't believe that, someone said, do do this. Like, like they said, here's how you test that, right? You, you take, you, you, I probably shouldn't tell this, you take your wife and your dog and you lock them both in the trunk for three hours, and then you open the trunk and see which one's glad to see you, right? That'll tell you, no, that's not a very good joke, okay? That's, that's just really dumb. I don't even know why I told that. It's not even in my notes. That is not the Holy Spirit. That's Satan. But Would you all pray with me to bind Satan from the rest of this service, right? So anyway, to kiss toward God, right? That, that, that should be our affection toward him. That should be our motivation for being here. The one worshiping, that's us, the one's worshiping, we attribute worth, we communicate honor, we bow down before, we demonstrate humility toward the one being worshiped, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as a worshiper of God, we need to identify with Isaiah when he said this in chapter 64, verse 8, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Everything that you are, everything that you have, every good thing that's in your life comes directly from God. And and defining worship is simply a matter of us explaining my relationship as a human being to the Almighty God. And when I begin to recognize this relationship that I have, that I have the honor and I have the privilege of having a relationship with the very one who created everything that exists, when I understand that's what I have, that motivates me to want to be in the house of the Lord worshiping Him. I feel that sometimes, even though we call ourselves Christians and we believe in God, I think sometimes we have a hard time getting him out of the abstract and into reality. We see him almost off as this mystical even mythical maybe i don't know being that 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 he's an idea, but we Don't really truly believe that he is who he says he is. And so I think sometimes people have a hard time getting him out of that abstract and into reality, even though we know that the Bible teaches that he is the Almighty God that's alive and active and he wants to be a part of our everyday lives. And I think there are some things that are absolutely necessary for us to cultivate this atmosphere of worship. And so. Uh, I, I want us to learn to do that today, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to, to worship. Some of the things you're going to be able to do today in the service when we worship, and some of the things are going to be preparation for next week and the coming weeks when you worship. But before we get into that, I want us to just use our imaginations for a moment, and I want us to just say, uh, I want us to use our imaginations, I want you to imagine me in the kitchen Baking cookies, okay? I know it's a stretch, but use your imaginations, okay? We're, I'm, in the, I'm in the kitchen. I'm getting ready to make a batch of chocolate chip cookies, and I get the cookie dough all together. I get the mix all together. I put in the chocolate chips. I'm all ready, but there's only one problem. I forgot to add sugar, all right? Now, when those cookies come out of the oven, they'll be edible, but really nobody's really going to want to eat them, Right? I mean, mean, that'd be pretty yucky. And if they did eat them, they wouldn't be very fulfilling, right? When we worship God, it's absolutely essential that we have the necessary ingredients to worship Him. And fortunately, there's just a couple that I think that Scripture teaches us. And if we forget either one of them, then our worship is not going to be as meaningful, it's not going to be as fulfilling to us, and it's certainly not going to be as pleasing to God. And here's the first ingredient that I think we need when it comes to worshiping God, and that is this, a sense of awe. To say I'm in awe of something or someone means that I both have an immense sense of reverence as well as an overwhelming recognition of greatness, right? And so, so, so I, I, I see this, this incredible reverence for the, for the Almighty God, but then I also have this overwhelming recognition of just how awesome He is. The magnitude of how wonderful He is. When I come to worship God, I need to recognize him as the greatest of the great. I need to recognize him as the master of everything that there is. Not just some abstract idea off in the sky that I hope to meet someday. But the awesome, living, active God in our lives that he is. The king of the universe. The God above all other gods. Because he's the one true God. And when I truly begin to understand who God is, I don't know how, if we really recognize that, how can we not worship him? Right? And then to understand how awesome he is and to think how awesome he is and he would still allow me to come into his presence. Hebrews 12, 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And I love what the the writer of Hebrews says there, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Would you agree with me that we're living in times right now where we look at our quote unquote kingdom, whether it's personal or political or whatever, we look at this nation, we see wars, we see still Stuff going on with with COVID and the pandemic and we talk talk about politics and we see $5 gas and we start to get nervous about this. Our kingdom's going to crumble. The psalmist says, listen, that's not the kingdom you should be focusing on. And I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray about those things. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved in those things. But when our focus is more on that kingdom than that kingdom. And it's going to hamper our worship because we're putting our hope and our faith in the wrong things. And we're starting to doubt and we're letting Satan creep into our minds and play mind games with us instead of just being focused on the one true God. And he told us from the very beginning, listen, this world's not your home anyway. Don't be so enamored with it. Don't get so caught up in it because you weren't made to last here forever anyway. Here's what the psalmist says in chapter 8, verses 3. Through nine, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, what you've set in place, what is man? That you are mindful of him, the son of man, that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. How much did God put under his feet? Everything. All the flocks, the herds, the beasts of the fields, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And when we sing songs and we pray our prayers and we learn together from God's word, it's all addressed to God. And we should sit awestruck before his throne. I've not done the research, I just have a feeling that I think that's one of the biggest problems in our churches today is that we've lost the wonder and the awe of how incredible our God is. I'm afraid that part of the problem in our atmosphere of worship is that we in the church are not as awestruck as we once were with the greatness of God. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if you grew up in church and and you think back to your early days in church and you're just a child and And maybe the preachers up here preaching about how awesome God is and how big and how mighty God is. And we're singing songs about how great God is. Did you sit there in amazement at just how wonderful God was as a kid? But then as you grow older, you just like, yeah, yeah, he's awesome. But you're not as awestruck as you were when you were a kid. There's something to be said about childlike faith. I think church has become routine for so many people that are believers. And because it's become routine, it has become boring to some. It has become monotonous to some because they've lost the wonder and the awesomeness of God. And we've got to regain it, church. Oh, Lord, my God, when I an awesome wonder... We sing those words, but do we mean them? How great is our God? Our God is an awesome God. Do we really mean the words that we're singing, or are we just giving lip service? Forget whether it's traditional or contemporary. That has absolutely nothing to do with it. Do you mean what you're singing? Are you in awe of our mighty God? I'm pretty sure when we get to heaven and we're before the throne of God and we start singing a song, I'm pretty sure the angelic choir is not going to care if it's contemporary or traditional. Right? Pretty sure. Next ingredient we must have is a sense of joy. While we come before God recognizing Him for who He is, we also come rejoicing Him. Sunday morning, um, That's not a time for grieving. You know, this is a time to come into the presence of God with joy. This isn't time to come into the first church of Eeyore. You know what I'm talking about? How are you? this Oh, I'm okay. Oh, bother. You know, Sunday morning's a time for rejoicing. For what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Psalm chapter 100 verses 1 through 3. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. Do you know that the Lord is good this morning? Know that the Lord is God, it is He who made us, and we are His, we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. And while we worship in reverence, we also worship in joy, and we worship in laughter. Worship should both have this this sense of awe, and it should have a spirit of, of joy. One without the other leaves us and God incomplete. He wired us this way. And again, I've been in some churches, uh, you know, I grew up in a singing family and we used to go around to all kinds of different churches and some of the churches that our family would sing in, it felt like I was at the first church of the frozen chosen. You know what I'm talking about? Have you been to that? You know, where they just sit there and say, like, bless me if you can, you know, I'm glad we can laugh in this church. If we couldn't laugh in this church, I'm probably not your preacher. I'm just saying i probably have to be looking somewhere else. I heard about a woman who went on a short-term mission trip one time to Kenya. Uh, she's helping the missionaries out there in, in Kenya. And before she left, she stopped in this remote village and, and she attended this medical clinic that was going on. She wanted to see what was, was, was happening there. And the, these native women were singing outside of the clinic. And as they began to sing together, this lady was deeply moved by their beautiful singing. The harmonies, the rhythms... Everything just seemed so worshipful indeed, and she was so moved, and she began to cry. And since she wanted to capture the moments for her memory, she turned to her bilingual friend and said, could you please translate the words to that absolutely beautiful song? And her friend looked at her and said, if you boil the water, you won't get dysentery. That's what they were singing, right? They didn't have a, she didn't have a clue what the words were, but she was just moved by the kind of music that it was. And I need you to understand something here this morning. Worship is more than a feeling. It's more than an experience. Now, it's great when those things happen, but they don't have to. Worship is an understanding of our relationship with the God of the universe. When we fully understand who he is, And who we are in relationship to Him. It changes our worship. That's what worship is. Now here's what worship does. And there are three very specific purposes concerning worship that we need to understand. Here's the first thing. It glorifies God. If our worship does not glorify God, if our worship is just a show, and if we try to evaluate a worship service based on performance, we've missed the boat. The real test of worship is whether it has brought glory to God or not. And if we don't do that, we're kind of wasting our time. Psalm 29 to ascribe to the Lord, the glory, do his name, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So what does this mean? It means that I come to worship, to testify before God that I understand who he is and I worship him on the basis of his identity and upon his authority. I sing, I shout. I pray, I raise my hands, all to demonstrate my love and my loyalty to God. And it's an absolute surrender of my will to Him. Once, Jesus was talking to a lady about what true worship was. And He said this in John 4, 23, A time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Notice that God desires to be worshipped. He's seeking out men and women and children that will come and acknowledge Him in spirit and in truth. And then, the second thing it does is it builds up believers. The word edify is is the word that is, is, or the Greek word that we translate edify, and this comes from the word edifice, which is a building, right? When we say, hey, you know, that's a We use that word edifice, it's basically a building, and so to edify means to build up, to build a person up, to strengthen, to encourage them, especially in the moral realm. And so while we come together to worship God, to bring Him honor and glory, it has the added benefit of building us up of edifying us, of encouraging us in our faith and in our relationship with God and our fellow believers in Jesus. David said in Psalm 122, verse 1, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I hope that's your attitude. I hope your attitude is you rejoice that you get to come to church and worship Him on Sunday. Not wake up on Sunday morning uh, Look at your alarm clock and, oh man, I guess, I guess this is what I need to do today. If you would look in the book of Psalms, at this particular Psalm 122, it's labeled as a Psalm of a sense, okay? And so here's what would happen the way I understand it in the Old Testament. They would sing a line, right, the Jewish... Uh, people would sing a line and then they would step up to the next step on their way into the synagogue. So they would maybe start off at the bottom step. They would sing a line and then they would step up and then they would sing another line and they would step up. And they'd sing another line and step up. This is known as a song of ascent. And so they gathered to worship and they would assemble the steps of the temple and they rejoiced that they were coming together to be built up in their relationships with one another and their praise of God. I want you to think about for a moment your Sunday morning routine and how it compares to that, right? I I heard Christian comedian Tim Hawkins say one time, (laughs) the person that wrote the song Easy Like Sunday Morning didn't take their kids to church. Can I get an amen to that, right? It's a struggle sometimes. And even when our kids are gone, sometimes, you know, it's, it's a struggle. I heard Bob Russell say one time, my wife and I used to fight all the time on the way to church. We figured out how to stop that. We started driving separately. You know, that's not what we're talking about. We need to start getting ourselves in the mindset of worshiping God long before we ever get to the building. Hebrews ten twenty five. let us not give up meeting together some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day Approaching, What is the day that he's talking about? That's the day when the Lord returns, that day. We continue to build one another up until Jesus comes back. Meeting together in worship and encourage one another. Those two things are synonymous. It, it breaks my heart when I hear that people walk away from our church service feeling discouraged because of maybe... Something that somebody said to them or the way that somebody acted or they just walk away thinking, man, that wasn't about Jesus at all. Church, that shouldn't be. Because here, here's the, the the reality is we need to encourage one another. We should all walk away from here having been encouraged because if we walk away from here not being encouraged, we take that out into the workplace or into the classroom on Monday morning or, or, or whenever it is that you meet other people. And they know that you're a Christian and that doesn't overflow into your life from your worship on Sunday. And even someone that says, you know, that knows you're a Christian, say, well, how was church yesterday? Nah. You know? Because here's the deal. Our worship, our attitude, our encouragement testifies to the unchurched. Positively and negatively. Okay. And I want to make it very clear, before I go any further, that it is impossible to worship God unless you are in a relationship with God. relationship with God can be used as a testimony that can lead non-believers into a relationship with God. When they observe the joy that's in our hearts, when we approach everything that we do within our lives, our entire lives, can be worshiped to God. As I said a moment ago, uh, Open opened the, the sermon by Rick Warren saying, everything that you do, everything that you do, as long as it's not unbiblical, can be used to worship God if you treat it with the right respect and you do it in the right spirit. And so when others see you living out your life in this lifestyle of worship, when they see that God's word is valued, when they see that God is the answer to their questions that they've maybe been asking for years and they know how our worship encourages us and strengthens us then people are going to be more willing to respond to God's call Psalm chapter 40 verse 3, he put a new song in my mouth a hymn of praise to our God many will see and fear and put their trust in The Lord. Psalm 57 verse 9. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. 1 Corinthians 14, so if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all and the secrets of his hearts will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. I want people to say that when they walk into this place on a Sunday morning, I want them to be in their seats saying, God is among you here. I want them to see it and and feel it and know it. Say, okay, that's great, that sounds wonderful, but how can we get there? How can we get to that point? Maybe you feel like we're already here. Maybe you personally, you feel like you're already there. How can we get there? Let me share with you some things that I think will will enable us to worship more effectively. I want to give you three very practical ways very quickly. Again, uh, some of them we can do today. Some of them we can't, okay? First thing is this, prepare, Prepare for worship. We're coming together to worship God. And you need to prepare. If you were getting ready to meet maybe the president of the company that you work for, and you had a very critical meeting that you had to be at, would you prepare for that meeting? I I think you probably would. We're we are coming into the presence of the god of the universe if we claim to be christian and we claim to believe what the bible says we need to we need to prepare to meet him right and if we truly believe that worship is a key to a better relationship with god and it's a better relationship it leads to a, a better relationship with other people we've got to be willing to prepare ourselves it. I assume that when I step up here to talk on a son- Sunday morning, you assume that I have prepared to talk to you, right? And then when the music starts, Spencer starts leading us and the worship team starts playing, I assume That you assume that Spencer has prepared to lead us and the worship team has done their part to prepare and practice rather than just kind of haphazardly go through the service. And so as I prepare and as they prepare, do you think that it's together and right for you to prepare to meet God in this place? What have you done today to get ready for the service today? Or what have you done this week to prepare your heart for worship this morning, to hear the word and to sing the songs, to maybe receive a word from God's word, and to offer him your best? I think it's just as important for you all to prepare for Sunday morning as it is for all of us who stand up here on the platform. Let me give you some practice. So it'll help you say, "Okay, that sounds great." What are you talking about? Here are some things: one, go to bed early on Saturday night, right? Just do it. Yeah, that that's real easy. It's, honestly, especially as you get older, amen. All right, It's real easy to go to bed earlier on Saturday night. But sometimes I'll be honest. I I uh, I stand up here and I'm preaching, and there's there's a couple times people sitting on the end rows here, I'm afraid I'm going to lose them and they're going to fall over and they're going to roll around in the aisle and everybody's going to think we went Pentecostal and and we don't want that. Right? <laughs> so, some, of y- some of y'all's faces, I mean, y'all are great looking bunch of people but some of you, half asleep on you know, and maybe that's my fault. Maybe I need to do a better job of preparing and I don't know. But go to bed early. Right? Have your children's clothes ready the night before and bathe them the night before so you can just get up and you don't have that fight on a Sunday morning as much. Make a rule that there's not going to be any arguing on the way to church if you're a family or you're a a couple that, you know, you struggle. Again, that easy like Sunday morning thing, that's not you. Make a pact. You're not going to fight on Sunday morning. What do you listen to on the way to church? Do you listen to worship? Music. I think that's a great way to do it. Arrive at church early uh, so that you can get the good seats up front. Right? Come with an expectation that God's going to do something. I think if you're going to, if you prepare your heart each week for worship like this, your worship experience is going to dramatically improve next participate if you don't participate in worship you're not worshiping if you can't carry a tune we don't care mostly no we don't we don't care god don't care either Sing anyway. As I told you, our family went around singing when I was a kid. And my mom used to have this joke. You know, dad would load us up in the station wagon with all of our equipment, us five kids. And we'd go sing we'd all over Indiana, sometimes into Kentucky and Illinois, a couple times into Ohio, all these little churches, you know. And people would say, well, well, Carol Ann, why doesn't Sonny? Sing. And my mom would stand up in church and say, well, here's the deal, right? Like she would say, I'm a soprano, and so I sing high C. And Jeff, he's a baritone, and he sings lousy. And Sonny, the dad, he's right here in the middle singing lousy, right? That's, that's what dad does. And, and so um, anyway, <laughs> sing. It don't matter what you sound like. It doesn't. God wants to hear you even if your neighbor don't, right? <laughs> but we need to get to the point where we do want to hear neighbor, good or bad. Anyway, when we gather for communion, partake with thanksgiving, all right, when it comes time to give your offering, I know we used to pass a play. We don't pass a play anymore. It's out there in the 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 hallway. And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe that's not as worshipful to you. I don't know. But the act of giving Financially is is worship, yeah? When you, when you place that that envelope or or what however you give, when you put that in those boxes on the wall in the back, or maybe you give online, would you t- before you do that, would you just take a moment and just thank God for His blessings? Right? That's a way we can worship. When the sermon is preached, listen to what's said, apply it to your heart. Don't sit there and think, man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear that. They really need to hear that. How many of you have had that thought? I've done that. When the invitation is given, pray. Pray with all of your heart that someone who's not yet a Christian might respond to the invitation and give their life to Jesus Christ. There's not any worship activity during the worship service that you cannot actively participate in. Everything that we do you can participate in, right, and then finally practice, I'm not talking about, you know, practicing during the worship service, I'm talking about your personal worship throughout the week, again, this whole idea of a lifestyle of worship, everything that you do can be worshiped To God, every day as you pray, every day as you read God's word, or you sing songs of praise to him. Have you ever had anybody pull up to you at a stoplight, and you're just singing away at the top of your lungs? You're singing praise and worship songs maybe at the top of your lungs, and you just get that feeling that someone's staring at you? I've done that, and then you kind of look at them, and you just feel real stupid, and you're just embarrassed, you know? And and I've done that so many times, and I think, oh, man, what what a... Goofball, I am. But then I'm like, why? Why would I care what they think? I'm worshiping God. I should be glad that somebody saw me. When you're getting ready to come together each week with all of the rest of us, and you've you've prepped all week by reading God's word, and you've been maybe singing songs to Him, and maybe you're fellowshipping with other believers outside of of church, and then. And then you come together, all of us come together with all of that already prepped for today and we put our individual praise to God, it forms one massive voice of thanksgiving and praise to the one who is worthy of our praise. When we approach him an awesome wonder, corporately. It's a beautiful thing. As I wrap this up and the worship team comes to play this morning, it should be obvious to you by now that worship is a central focus of the Christian life. This isn't something Here's the deal. This isn't something that you tack on to Christianity. It isn't like, okay, I'm a Christian and part of me being a Christian is that I need to come and worship, right? It's not something that you just tack on. It's a part of who you are. Everything that you do, you build your life around the worship of of God. And again, it's not just Sunday morning. Sunday morning is great and it's needed and, and it, we're instructed to do it. But Monday through Saturday, that should be continuous praise and worship as well. Sunday morning isn't something that we just tack on. I worship God. You worship God. Not out of obligation or out of debt, but because we are unable not to worship. Remember the early Christians? They couldn't help but testify to the amazing things that God had done for them. We can't help it. It's who we are. God has created us to give praise to his name. So let's stand and let's do that together.